If you went on a road trip and you didn't stop for a Big Mac or drop a crispy fry between the car seats or use your McDonald's bag as a placemat, then that wasn't a road trip. It was just a really long drive. At participating McDonald's. Everyone deserves a chance in the driver's seat. For GM and Revolt, that means leading the way on the road to an all-electric future and envisioning a world with zero crashes, zero tailpipe emissions, and zero congestion. GM's committed to making EVs accessible for everybody. That means you too. So what are you waiting for? GM's got the keys. You grab the wheel. Learn more about an all-electric future and the 000 initiative at GM.com. GM, everybody in. Okay, let's run that. Oh, what's it? Oh, you was like, where the money at? Where the money? I was like, lucrative. You said what? <laughs> I never flee. What? What? Drink what? that shit. Okay, 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 okay. Yo, what's the deal, y'all? Hope all is well. Welcome back to another episode. I'm Duke. I'm Omar. I'm Jalan. And I am Sedarius Blaine. And this is another episode of Nice and Neat. Yes, sir. So, as you can see, let me give my brother his proper flowers right now. We have a gentleman in the building who has worked with some of the biggest stars in all of Hollywood. We talking about Dwayne The Rock Johnson, Kevin Hart, mm. Jack Black, mm. many more. And my man is blessing us right here on the nice and neat set, the nice and neat couch. Welcome, brother Sidarius. How you doing, man? Thank you, my brother. Man, I'm good. I mean, I, I didn't know I, I deserved such kind words, oh, but man. here I am. Uh, I'm really good, man. Just kind of trying to keep it in stride, man. Just trying to do everything I ever said that I ever wanted to do. You know, mm. I think I got to a point in my life where I just realized that I wasn't, I wasn't kind of maximizing my opportunities because. I wasn't completely like leaning into my faith and believing that some of them could really happen. Mm -hmm. So now I'm at a place where I'm like, look, time is of the essence. Let's just try every single thing that ever popped in your head so that you don't live a regret, you know? So that's where I'm at right now. And it's, it's been going great for me because of it. This is my good brother, Sidarius. I've been knowing Sidarius. I've been knowing. It's been over, over a decade. I've been years. knowing Sidarius. Man, you know what's crazy? We both met each other while we were working on our purpose. Um, mm -hmm. So Darius just moved out here to become an actor. Mm. I was mm -hmm. sweeping the barbershop that I now own. Mm. And so Darius, a shameless plug. Hey, shameless plug. <laughs> <laughs> I was, I was, I was sweeping That's the barbershop I own. So Darius was an aspiring actor, and I remember he would come in. I wasn't even cutting his hair. I wasn't even cutting hair in the shop at that time. Mm -hmm. He would come in and he would say all the time, like, "Man, I'm out here. I'm going to be an actor. That's what I really want to do." And you know, we'll get into it. But so Darius actually dropped out of med school, bro. Because yeah. Yeah. to become an actor, wow. and I, this yeah, was his story. He would talk about it all the time, and mm -hmm. to see him being featured in films like Jumanji mm -hmm. and seeing him on screens, and I'm on at flights, and I'm seeing him in the movie that I'm mm -hmm. watching on flights. You know, it brings so much joy to my heart to be able to see, like, man, you just did what the hell you said you was gonna do, bro. Yeah. You know, yeah. you not you you didn't make a liar of yourself. 
Hey, if I say it out loud, I have to do it. You know, that's kind of a, it's a thing that I kind of challenge myself to do is I'll think about something for years at a time and never say it, especially if I have any type of doubt about it or know that I'm not going to put in the time to like really learn whatever that craft is. But if once I say it out loud, I the only thing that I have to live off of is my name till I die. And so I have to keep my word. I've never not kept my word with anybody. I've changed my mind. Mm. You know, sometimes you you go through life and you realize that something doesn't serve you anymore and you no longer want that thing. So I've changed my mind and said, hey, I've, I've edited, you know, how I feel about something, but I've never not kept my word. And so what I've done now is challenge myself by saying it out loud so that if anybody has heard it in my vicinity, now I have to do it because I said mm-hmm. that I was going to do it. It's you know that I mean? level of accountability. Yeah, it's yeah. keeping promises. Yeah. You know, I think being accountable to yourself and keeping promises with yourself is one of the most important things you, you can do, especially like unspoken things. Like if I decide that I'm going to be your friend, there's an unspoken promise that I will be loyal to you. Yeah. There's an unspoken promise that I will be punctual for you. There's an unspoken promise that if your mom is in town and she needs to be shown a good time, I'm going to make sure that she has a great time. You know what I mean? There's an unspoken promise that anybody that I bring to you or introduce to you is going to be someone of a certain ilk. You know what I'm saying? There's going to be a gentleman. There's going to be somebody that, that you, you can count on. Yep. Ilk? Ilk. Of a certain ilk, yeah, it's a, of a certain uh, okay, that's a new one status or a certain ilk. caliber. Y'all look you know it up. I mean, cut from the same cloth. That <laughs> whole look it up. I heard that one. That's a good one. I-L-K. That's the first time look that was up. used on Ice and ever. Yo, who taught you that? Hey man, I, I challenge myself to use different vocabulary words sometimes. Hey, but that's like, not fair. You I have, read a lot of yeah. scripts, bro. I do. So I do read a lot of scripts. Crazy. Vernacular is crazy. Yeah. I, I, yeah, and that's and you know what? I actually teach actors. I've been coaching actors for ten years as well. And I tell them every day, I've, I've helped 12 people become millionaires in the last 10 years, wow. like easily. And the first thing I tell them is read every day. If you decide you want to be an actor, you want to be a lawyer, you want to be a doctor or something like that, you want people to pay you six and seven figures to do a six and fig- seven figure job, you got to put six and seven figure effort in. I wake up every single day at 4.30 a.m. and I'm on the toilet for the first hour of the day until my legs get numb, reading articles, reading scripts. Reading stuff. Words are my my tool in my my business to a point where like I can read a twelve page script and learn it in thirty minutes and go shoot right now. And if they need me to change something, I can go through and learn that and change mm-hmm. it too. Words are my tool. If I want say seven figure work, then I gotta put that kind of work in as well. So I'm constantly learning new words, but also my mom was an English teacher. I'm a writer, so words are my words are my, my superpower. Definitely. Right? I wanna I wanna go back to yep. you moving to LA and because Jalan kind of just basically just briefly kind of passed over it, but yeah. you gave up going up your dreams of being a doctor to chase uh-huh. your other dream of being an actor. So yeah. like, how did that come about? You know, what, what gave you the courage to say, you know what? Because I know like being a doctor in a black family is something that like, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. the, our families are would love to see us become doctors, lawyers. What gave you the courage to say, mm-hmm. you know what, I'm going to give up chasing this career that's pretty like a sure thing. You know, yeah. I mean, you become a doctor, you know, you're getting paid annually. You have salary, you know, now mm-hmm. you're chasing the dream of becoming a, an actor where you don't know when the next job is coming. For you know sure. what I mean? Yeah. Well, a lot stranger things have happened in my life. So that's, that used to be probably one of the, the, the biggest, craziest things I ever did. But now there's a long, long, long list of, of much stranger things. But um, since I was a kid, I was always, I was a latchkey kid. My, my mom, you know, worked a lot. And so I was home alone a lot. And that's how I learned how to cook. Cooking ended up being one of my careers um, and still is right now. So I'll, I'll talk about it another time. But um, I was always at home, you know, playing make-believe and creating costumes and making masks and, 
and stuff like that. You know, my 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 brother, uh, rest his soul, he was on the streets and stuff like that. I would be at home alone and just kind of doing my own thing. So my imagination became my best friend. I watched a lot of movies. Um, Hook was the first movie I memorized word for word, top to bottom. Uh, Robin Williams was like one of my favorite people in history. Um, you know, Ninja Turtles. I started memorizing all these movies, mm-hmm. you know, word for word. And I wanted to be on Gullah Gullah Island on, on Nickelodeon. <laughs> yeah. you know, I had a, had a crush on, on Vanessa Baden, who's now like one of my really good friends, which is very strange. But um, I wanted to be on that show. And I would look at these shows and, and I'd be like, man, that would be so cool to be on there. But I was such a shy kid. I, I was probably, I was the shyest person I've ever known in my life. Mm. Um, so it seemed like an unattainable goal. Not only that, my family is Haitian and Dominican. Mm. So you talk about black families. My mom's black, but I was raised by a Haitian and Dominican family. Well, my mother's adopted, so we don't know any of her family. So if I ever refer to my family, it is my father's family, who is mm-hmm. all from Haiti. Um, being a doctor or a lawyer is the best possible thing you can be. And be yeah. an engineer, be, yeah. you know, work in government, yeah. something like that. I mean, and you're talking about people who... Holy Trinity. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. Right. So wh- where are you from? Where's your family from? Nigeria. In Nigeria. Oh, you already know. Yeah. You know, yeah. you got to do something that brings your family honor. Mm-hmm. You know what yep. I mean? It's very similar to like almost Japanese cultures and yep. stuff like that, where it's all about provision. You're not a man if you cannot provide very well and have access for the people around you. It's such irony because it's, this is the poorest country in the Western Hemisphere because they've been raped of all their resources, right? So it is, it is a brag for you to be fat or have fat babies because that means that you've had enough food. Yep. Mm. You understand? Well. Yep. So it's a, it's a big deal. Opulence. So being a kid that was you know pretty much straight-A student my whole life, never got in trouble, never went to the principal's office, I don't even know what that place looks like, never been suspended, never been arrested, none of that stuff, I became kind of the you know, great white hope from, from my family almost, you know what I mean? And it was a thing where like, I was constantly being compared to my other cousins. They were like, why can't you be more like Sidarius? Or why can't you get grades like him? Why can't you And it created enemies Mm -hmm. within my family because people were like, man, you're the reason why they look down on us kind of thing. And so my whole life, I always wanted to be. Hey there, ever thought about what makes your heart beat a little faster? Oh, you mean like when you discover a new track that just speaks to you? Yeah. Or finding a movie that you can't stop thinking about? Well, get ready to feel that excitement all over again because Amazon Prime is here to take your entertainment and shopping experience to the next level. Absolutely. Prime isn't just about getting your packages quicker. It's about diving into a world of endless possibilities, from the latest releases to exclusive content you won't find anywhere else. And don't even get me started on the music. Prime offers concert specials that will transport you right to the front room. It's like being at the hottest gigs without leaving your living room. I use Prime to tap in with some of my favorite artists' live shows from any and every genre of music. Trust me, Prime is a game changer. It's like having a personalized superstore and entertainment hub right at your fingertips. So why wait? Head over to Amazon.com forward slash Prime and start experiencing entertainment like never before. Be a doctor um, and, and, you know, make my family proud. And it got to a point where, like, I was second year into uh, my bio major um, at Florida Eastern University. Um, and I sat in class one day and I, re- I couldn't pay attention. I couldn't like focus on the teacher. I couldn't hear anything. It was like, like I was underwater. It was like, because I was thinking about something else. I was thinking about this acting thing, which was strange. Cause I always just ended up falling into roles, falling into local community before, theater and stuff like is. that. Yeah. I wasn't pursuing acting ever. I was 20 years old when I started acting. Mm. I, I wasn't 
like doing it since I was a kid. Though I had been in plays since I was like 12 years old, it wasn't my main focus because I'm like, I've never seen an actor before. My brother-in-law died suddenly, and now my sister and her kids have to sell their home. That's why I told my husband we could not put off getting life insurance any longer. An agent offered us a 10-year, $500,000 policy for nearly $50 a month. Then we called SelectQuote. SelectQuote found us identical coverage for only $19 a month, a savings of $369 a year. Whether you need a $500,000 policy or a $5 million policy, SelectQuote could save you more than 50% on term life insurance. For your free quote, go to SelectQuote.com. SelectQuote.com. That's SelectQuote.com. SelectQuote. We shop. You save. Full details on example policies at SelectQuote.com slash commercials. We're from Miami. I, never, I don't even know what that looks like. I know football players, basketball players. I, I've never yeah. seen an actor before. But... I'm sitting in this bio class and I'm like, man, I don't want to do this. And then I was like, I don't, I don't know what I want to do, but I don't want to do this. And I was there on a double scholarship too, a double academic scholarship. You know, you know. That's crazy because the only double scholarships we know is he played basketball and football. <laughs> right. Seriously. Like for real. Yeah. I don't even know what a double academic scholarship really is. I, I was in specialized right. programs how's from that, the time I was in like you got, you got reserve money or something like that. Yeah. So I, I, went to, I went to a magnet school where you could you could be in college in ninth grade at oh, the same wow. time as going to high school. So I already had a scholarship from my academics from from there, but I also had a scholarship for playing trumpet too. Mm. I was in, in, in band by the time I was in 10th grade. I declined that from Florida State. Um, and then I had my regular academic scholarship just from being on dean's lists and all that stuff for years, right? So when I decided to drop out of school, oh. <laughs> I called up my dad. Well, I talked to my mom first, who was a 25-year educator. She's been a teacher since I was born, right? And when I, I figured if I tell my mom I want to drop out and like go pursue acting, because I had been offered an acting scholarship too, so I want to be clear. It wasn't like I was just like blindly going into it. Was it like Not a performing cool. art? It was performing arts, or it was like yeah, it was it was it was acting. New York okay. Conservatory for Dramatic Arts. I had gone to this talent competition at Disney, and I won like every category that I was in for acting and and for for modeling at the time, like fifty pounds ago. But um, I, used to, I, used to have a, I used to have a jawline and everything. It was dope. It's crazy. Just look at old Facebook pictures. You'd be all right. But I decided then, you know, when I got offered the scholarship to go to the New York Conservatory or to come out to L.A., I was like, I'm going to go to New York and get the education in it first so I can have some longevity. So I'm like, I don't know that I'm not that, that talented or anything like that. And I'm really tall for an actor, too. So. Um, oh, that's the thing. You that's a thing. Also, I've lost so many. I'm, I'm almost six five, so I've lost so many roles because the average actor is like five seven, five eight. Tom Cruise is five six. Wow. You understand? Wow. Like Will Smith is one of the tallest actors at six two. You know what I'm saying? Wow. Like that's it's a big thing. So, and you look at somebody like Natalie Portman. She's five one, five two. So if you. I'm in a scene with her, there's too much headspace. Okay. So mm. most of the time when I'm shooting, I have to spread my legs so that I can make myself shorter. Because wow. does that affect people. sound, right? Because the mics is outside of the frame. It affects sound, but also it just makes it's the frame right. too big. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. if you talk if you talk to this guy, it'll make the frame too uneven. There's too much headspace between yeah. one person. So they're usually short. They're, they're little chicken nuggets. You know what I mean? <laughs> but I decided to drop out of med school. And, I, and I, I, I told my mom first because I figured her being the educator, she would kind of talk me off the ledge and be like, nah, stay in school. Mm-hmm. And I was hoping that she would. Have you ever had a dream where you're like, man, I kind of hope somebody will tell me to stop so I won't do it because yep. I'm kind of scared Maybe anyway? for you. You don't want to make the decision. Right. Let them make the decision for it. It's easier if I say my mom and my dad said I can't do Correct. it. Yep. Mm-hmm. My mom was like, hell yeah, go. 
I always wanted to do that myself. Mm. Mm. She was like, and my parents. I'm sorry, your mom, Hmm? she's not from Haiti. My mom's American. She's from America. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, American are more a little progressive. They're like more progressive. Yeah, far more progressive. But my mom is also, I mean, my mom is a gunslinger, man. She's, she was adopted. Both of her parents died by the time she was 19 years old. She'd been just kind of getting it out the mud her whole self, mm. her whole life. And me and her, we moved around a lot. I moved 22 times by the time I was 25. Wow. You know what I'm saying? Not so like consistency lot, and stability is not really a thing for me except in the relationships that we had. You know what mm. I'm saying? So I wasn't really like attached to any one thing ever. And my mom was like, go try it. If it doesn't work for, out for you in the next five years, then go back to school. You'll, you still have your scholarships. That's, that's the time frame that you had to use it. So go ahead and do that. And I was like, that's actually a good idea. So I, I called my dad and I told him, I was like, hey, dad, you know, we decided, um, am I allowed to cuss on here? Yeah, yeah, yeah bro. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay. He's like, oh, to get that one out. <laughs> no, so I called my dad. All right. Called my dad and I was like, hey, dad, I think I'm going to take this opportunity to go to New York and go to this acting school. And he said, actor? For what? You're going to be an actor? I said, yeah, that's, that's like the goal. Oh, is you going to be in TV and movies? Are you stupid? Mm-hmm. You stupid black American what's wrong with you and then he goes on this tirade he's like Regina why you let him do that for my mom's name is Regina why you let him do that for first you let him get the earring he's look like and now and now he's going to drop out of school my dad love him to this day he's one of my biggest supporters but he didn't talk to me for like two years at that point he was like you're squabbling away an opportunity Yeah, yeah and you know what I look at my son, I have an eight-year-old son myself. If he ever came to me and said something like that, I would even be a little bit like, uh, mm-hmm. this ain't for the faint of heart, man. Like, this is a really crazy-ass business to have to try to go pursue. You literally, like you said, you're killing to eat every day. I got to go hunt for yeah, my food every, every day. single day. But you know what? It feels so good mm-hmm. when you eat a plate off of something that you built with your own hands and your own passion like I was talking to you about earlier, yeah. like something that's like calling you inside. This thing yeah. wouldn't leave me alone. Mm-hmm. That's what, I have extreme social anxiety. I'm nervous right now talking to y'all. And, and a lot of homies I've seen y'all around plenty, blah, blah. And I've been knowing you. I get nervous in social situations and stuff like that. So I was like, if I want to be an actor, how am I going to, how am I going to pursue this while having crazy ass anxiety? And before every carpet, I'm in the car, like doubled over, like, <sighs> like my manager has to like wow. push me out of the car and stuff. But when I get up there and the lights turn on, it's like being on stage for that first time where I'm like, oh, I'm yep. here. I'm yeah. alive. Mm-hmm. And I'm, yeah. I'm the party guy then. Yeah. So I was like, how do I attack this anxiety thing that's crippling me to the point where like sometimes I can't get my lines out. I can't get, my, I can't get out a hello. My jaws are clenched tight. So I meet guys like you who are real cool and handsome. You got your shit together and all that stuff. And I'll come in these rooms and I would be so quiet. That niggas would think that I'm arrogant or something. I'm stuck up. Oh, this nigga can't talk to nobody. He's like, no, I'm scared. Mm. I have anxiety. That's right the truth. And I'm 6'5", 250 pounds. Yeah. Like, I'm scared. And you know what? I was like, I'm going to embrace this. I actually am afraid. But what do I do to get past that fear? I step in the room and I say hello to each, each single person. Sure. Hey, what's up? What's your name? What's That's your name? The easiest way, Where the easiest you from? way to get over yeah. it. Where are you from? Find commonality between people. And that's the thing that's like really kind of helped me in my career is like, I just... Jumped in there. I was like, okay, I'm going to jump in head first. I decided I'm going to do this thing. I said it out loud. Now I have to actually do it. If I don't, I can never show my face in Miami again. I can never show my face in my family again because I did something stupid. The stupid thing worked out, though. It's only mm-hmm. stupid if it doesn't work out. If it doesn't True. work. So you said you, you actually had a, a, an action that you were able to do to kind of help you get over 
your anxiety. We talk about we had we talked about therapy plenty of times on this show. Mm-hmm. Did you go see a therapist that helped you give you that gave you tools to say, you know what? The first thing you should do when you walk into a room when you're no, when you're nervous is to find commonality within people that are in the room. Oh man, you said the, the T word amongst black people. That's like a cuss word almost. <laughs> Not here, um, not here, not here. Not here. This, no, this and that's what I, I love. I love the progressiveness of everything that you guys have been doing. I've watched every episode of, of you guys' show for the last oh, couple of years, oh, literally man. every single one. Thank you. Um, bro. And I love what you guys talk about. And I love that you're strong, supportive, cool ass black man is doing cool shit too. At the Thank same you, time, bro. it's not like yeah, a bunch that, of squares bro. either. You know what I mean? Like that's yeah. the thing too. Like I'm, I wouldn't yeah. really fit in with that. Yep. We, we understand. Um, we understand that. Part. Yeah, you know what I mean. <laughs> like. Uh, um, Progressive nerds, man. Yeah. I love it. Um, therapy, no, it wasn't therapy. It was a whole lot of prayer, prayer groups and stuff like that. My mom is, is also a minister um, on the side. Um, so it was a lot of prayer, but I read a lot of self-help books and stuff like that. Um, you know, the art of negotiation and stuff like that and how to kind of basically just use the art of manipulation to, yeah. to better your life. Mm-hmm. I am interested in therapy now. Mm-hmm. Um, Again, I grew up in the South where it's like kind of unacceptable. You don't even really talk about it's that. Taboo down there. It's, not not, even it's the very South, bro. taboo. You grew up black. It's yeah. Everybody loves McDonald's fries. So, yes, you accused your mom of stealing some of your fries on the way home. Um, but the bag did feel a little light. Ba da ba ba ba. There's that everywhere, too. Bro. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. Yeah, well, we, we've, we're taught to power through so much stuff. There's like at one point, like everybody's, you know, about to have a damn mental breakdown at, at, at some point. Um, the therapy conversations didn't really start until seven years ago. Uh, my brother was shot and killed in Miami on 441 outside of a checkers over a disagreement. My brother uh, lived an alternative lifestyle in terms of what he did to make money, I'll mm-hmm. say, for many years. And it, that wasn't even the thing that took him out. It was an argument, a disagreement between him and another dude about a girl. Of course. And that's how he got shot and killed. It's ruined my life. Literally has absolutely ruined my life. Great things happen for me all the time. Make plenty of money. My kid's good. My mom's cool. You know what I'm saying? Like everybody's good around me, but it it ruins your life from the inside out when you realize like, I'm gonna be 60 years old and not have my brother to sit on the porch with and just talk about how dumb we were. You know, when we're kids, it leaves a gaping hole in your chest. And at points, you know, sometimes I feel like I literally can't physically breathe. And I'm like, I can't sleep. I've had insomnia for seven years and stuff like that. So now I overly obsess on working. I'm working on three companies at the same time. I have a full-blown acting career. I'm a son and I'm a father full-time too. So it's like you start filling those voids with more tangible things and stuff that might not serve you. You're running yourself raggedy. I'm, I'm, I'm 35 years old. I don't want to feel and look as old as I feel like I feel and look. Right, right, right. So like I want to fix this thing. So I've I've started now the conversations with you know therapists and stuff here and there, and I don't ever stick through it and do it consistently. I'm like I'll do it for two weeks and then I'm out, and mm-hmm. then two weeks and a few months when I feel like too much pressure is coming on me and then I'm out. But it's like there's no reason like my life should be as good as it is on paper, but I'm not fully enjoying it. You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? I'm, I'm finding opportunities to try to serve other people instead. Cause I'm like if I can see somebody else smile mm-hmm. at least. Maybe I'll feel better about myself, you know? It's that whole provision thing mm-hmm. that I was talking about with you before, Omar. It's like, figure out a way to, to, to fill those voids, but you can't do it in your own strength, and I think sometimes you yeah, definitely you, need help. You said um, you grew up in Miami Gardens, mm-hmm. right? 
Mm-hmm. And you mentioned that you were a straight A student pretty much your whole life. Mm-hmm. And, but your brother, you know, he wasn't necessarily like you. He was in the streets. Right, yeah. he was just in the streets. But so growing up, how you grew up, right? How did you, because I'm pretty sure a lot of kids that you grew up with were looking at you like, yo, like, you a square. Oh, yeah. You I was know, definitely like, a nerd. Hey, yo, like, you're not one of us. You're not. I was a poor kid, like, too. How did you balance that? And um, how did you, like, what made you stick, stick, stick to, like, being a straight-A student and not just become a part of the streets as well? I've always been a self-starter, though, since I can remember. I'll say that. Um, at a very young age, I started feeling like I was like a burden. Like I was a burden to my mom. I would see my mom struggling and stuff like that. I just never wanted to be in the way, in her way. And I never wanted her... Honestly, this is the first time I'm probably ever saying it out loud. I never wanted her to not want me. Or I never wanted her to mm-hmm. feel like I'm the reason why... My mom was gorgeous. My mom looked like Vivica Fox when I was a kid. Like I had to beat men off of her constantly <laughs> and she's 67 years old and she's still beautiful but i didn't want to be the thing that like held her back in life mm-hmm. so i always try to have have my own mm-hmm. i remember being six years old and not wanting to ask my mom for like five dollars and stuff like that because i didn't want to stress her out so me and my brother went to the store and we bought a pack of candy and we went around door to door and we sold candies for a dollar you know, hustled it, and we went back, and we bought the $5 box this time. Yeah. And we went back with $20. That time, we kept flipping it and flipping it and flipping it. So, I mean, me and my brother, like, I was seven, and he was nine, and we have 50 mm. bucks in our pocket in 1993. You know what I mean? Like, that's not normal. Mm-hmm. That was a lot of money back that's then. That's a lot of money. Ice that's big money. truck came around, and we was like, what's up? <laughs> Where we at? Didn't, you know what? Let me get the gumballs and the sausage. Pick a sausage. Make it stack. You know? <laughs> so, like, I never... <laughs> I never wanted to be a burden anywhere that I went. I saw the things that were going on between my parents in this broken household, you know, where, you know, there was infidelity and stuff like that. And unfortunately, they ended up, you know, divorcing and stuff like that. And I knew it was just me and her and I was going with her. And so I just wanted to, to help keep my household afloat. And by the time I was nine years old, my mom, uh, we had, she had decided she was going to go back and get her master's at 40 years old, which I commended at the time. I, I understood what it was. I was eight, and then I ended up turning nine when we moved to Tulsa, Oklahoma. She went to Oral Roberts University. Did you really understand, though, at the time? I did. Like, what she was... I did. I, You know what's funny? I I remember everything from the time I was, like, three years old to now. I remember almost every single day. If you remind me something that happened that day, I could tell you what happened in, in the yeah. day. And that's I think that's really helped me in my acting career, too, is my, my memory is, like, phenomenal, mm-hmm. crazy. I did understand it. Um, but my mom always talked to me like a man since I was a little kid, man, yeah. like always. And and it's something I've incorporated in my parenting. I always ask my son, you want me to talk to you like a boy or talk to me like a man? And he's like, like a, like, like, a man. like a man. <laughs> and that, like, I think people will meet you where you launch them. If I say to you, I know that you're not a trustworthy person. I'm going to trust you right now. Even though I know nobody trusts you, you're going to try your best to be trustworthy. I you know you. what I'm saying? Like it's kind of, it, you're incentivizing people's behavior by expecting the best of them, I think, many times. Not always, yeah, but many yeah. times. So she expected the best of me and I didn't want to let her down. So yeah. she told me when we turned nine years old, she drove me to the, this, this big statue called the Praying Hands at Oral Roberts University. She used to drive a little broke down pickup truck and she said to me, you want me to talk to you like a boy or talk to you like a man? Oh. I said, talk to me like a man. And she said, okay. Well, we're going to have to be in sacrifice mode for a while. Mama don't have no money. Don't ask me for anything. Just do your best. And I said, okay. Enough said. Next day, I started that candy business up again at nine years old because we had moved away from Miami for those, that three-year period. I started up the candy business again with my friend Hassan 
um, Ghazi, who's out in Dallas, Texas. He's now the biggest like retail wholesaler uh, for auto parts in the Southeast. Wow. And he makes a lot of money. You know what I mean? He's <laughs> doing really well. But we were the two poor kids and the two brown kids in Tulsa, Oklahoma. There was no other brown kids around us. Uh, we started a trash business and we ended up having like five kids working for us, giving us a percentage of their sales every wow. day. We made t-shirts and everything like that. We would go around on roller skates and bikes and, and skateboards, taking out people's trash in this giant apartment complex that we lived in. So the spirit of entrepreneurship has always been inside of me. And how I stayed away from it was that I, I saw the other adults or like bigger kids around us who were like getting killed at like 15 years old and stuff like that, doing bad things, you know? Um, and plus we just didn't really need to do that. I mean. Anybody who wanted to be in the streets in our families, because you chose to do that. You wanted to do that. We have doctors and lawyers and engineers. And my dad ran the Miami airport for 35 years and stuff like that. We're not, we're not no bumps. So you, you don't feel like, you don't feel like yeah. uh, people that are in the streets and, and that get in trouble are in trouble because of the environment. I'm actually really glad that you asked that question um, because I think that people are products of their environment. Um, I mean, it's been proven scientifically if you speak blessings over a plant and you speak curses over the other one one doesn't grow you know which one doesn't grow right so i think you can definitely be products of your environment um i was just really lucky that i had a praying mother who was like if i ever catch you outside doing anything you're not supposed to i, I will hurt i will kill you you know what i mean but she was also an educator so she had the ability to introduce me to new worlds via books and education and a whole lot of faith bro i think i think honestly prayer really saved my life i i remember going to my brother i cut school when i was in 10th grade for the first time i remember the 50 cent album had just dropped get rich or die trying mm -hmm. i got it for my birthday it was like it was like end of february and i was a poor kid in school i didn't have money and cool clothes and all that stuff um and and i was made fun of for it constantly you know what i'm saying um I was like, I don't want to be that kid anymore. I want to be cool. I want to like get girls. I want to. I want to do the cool yeah. shit. All that stuff. You know what I mean? So I had saved up a couple hundred dollars, and I went over to my brother. Um, I, 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 you know, cut school that day, and he saw me out, and he was like, "What are you doing out?" I was like, "What you doing out? You supposed to be in class too." Oh, but he's he is a, he's a senior at this time. If you were in tenth grade. Yep. Yep. Exactly. <laughs> um, and I was like, I came to him. I remember I was wearing some South Pole sweats, Come on, South some Pole. yellow South Pole sweats with a blue. South Pole silk shirt <laughs> back in the day. Fresh from Macy's. Yep. Yep. Fresh with from like, Macy's. Exactly. With like some like Ninja Warrior on it. I don't know I what it was. It. Naruto or something. Um, and I walked up to him and I was real serious. And I pulled out a water cash from my pocket and I said, put me on. He said, what is <laughs> Put me on. <laughs> what? What, is, what, is, what is this? I said, I said, put me on. I don't want to be broke no more. He slapped the money out of my hand. It was like $150 just all on the floor, blown around. And he punched me in my face, like punched me right here. It, it hurt so bad, I thought like my cheekbone broke. You know what I mean? Tough kid. Best football player I've ever seen in my life, by the way. I'll tell you about that one day. But he hit me so hard. And he was like, what's wrong with you? He said, you're not like us. You're not supposed to be doing this. Mm. He said, don't ever ask me no dumb shit like that again. Now go to class. And I went to pick up the money. He was like, no, nah, I'm keeping that shit, too. <laughs> and I walked back to class, and I never sk skipped Who needs an alarm in the morning when McDonald's has sausage, egg, and cheese McGriddles and a breakfast cutoff? 
Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Cool again. But it's crazy because like people in that life can even see a mark of distinction on you. He's like, you're special, man. You're different. You're not supposed to be doing this shit. Mm. But also my brother struggled with mental and emotional issues and stuff like that too. Mental health is a really, really big deal. It's a hot button subject we talk about constantly now and nobody ever really delves too deeply into it unless you're like a doctor and stuff like that. But it affects all of us. And he, there was something wrong with him. He had, um, well, his, his brother, um, who was a, a paranoid schizophrenic, had, um, and I say his brother, because my, my brother, when I say my brother, he's technically my cousin, but he lived with us my entire life. Oh, he lived with my mother before I did. He's oh, two gosh. years older than my mom, my mom had him. Um, so he had another, he had a half brother as well, who, had, who was a paranoid schizophrenic. And he, you know, my, my brother had, um, you know, hyperactivity and ADHD and blah, blah. And they had him on pills constantly. And he would be either extremely depressed or extremely hyper. And everybody would just call him the bad kid. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? You can be socially retarded. To retard means to slow down. That can actually slow you down. Um, I had a, a, another very close friend of the family who was a straight A student at one point, and then she moved to a different area, and she was getting D's and F's, and you know ended up being put in remedial classes, which yeah. was insane to me. But it was all based on the kind of stimulation that she was getting, uh, or lack thereof, in her new environment. I definitely think environment has a lot to do with it. A few of us get lucky and get an opportunity to quote unquote get out, mm-hmm. um, and I was I was one of those people. But I had the right simulation uh, behind closed doors at home and stuff like that. I just knew they, they just held us to a kind of kind of different standard. You know what I mean? So that's that's kind of what happened. Okay. You know I mean? First half, phenomenal. My man Sidarius is here. He's telling us his story, and. You know, it, it made me, when you were talking about your moves, your consistent moves, you had 20 plus moves by the time you were 22 years old. Mm-hmm. It made me think how it isn't, it didn't, it, that, that doesn't make me feel like there was real stability in your life, yet everything that you did had structure. You and your mother's relationship was really structured. Your career path was structured. You were, you were structured in school, but yet you had these moves that a lot of people would equate just naturally to like, ah, if they're lacking structure, it's due to the, due to the fact of this. Mm-hmm. How were you able to just like overcome that to where that didn't even affect who you were as a person? Uh, I think that's a bad assumption. It did affect me as a person. It affected who I am as a person for sure. Um, there was a lot of instability in my life, but the the constant was, was my mother. Mm-hmm. She was stable and her, her treatment of me and and constantly like teaching me how to be a man and putting me around other very positive strong men to to kind of influence me i've always been sort of a sponge i could be in a room of people and just kind of pilfering information off of them um i was very lucky to have a lot of really good guy friends who had their dads in their lives and stuff like that so i could suck information off of them and be like okay when well, i'm a dad i'm gonna do this i'm gonna do that i'm gonna do that you know um it did affect me as a person. I think that I have uh, attachment issues in both the, the negative and the positive. If I have a friend, if I find a friend, again, I went to so many different schools throughout the year. If I, if I find a friend, like I want to show them that I am your friend, friend, I'll do anything for you. And it turned into a point where like I was in my early 20s, I was like, am I like paying these niggas to be my friend? <laughs> <laughs> Holy shit, there's a commonality. Everybody's using me. What is this? Cutoff game got real strong. Mm-hmm. So I was like, okay, I had my, my best friend for 12 years 
was sleeping with my girlfriend. I didn't know at the time. Mm. I was the best man at his wedding, mind you. Nah. He's married and sleeping with my girlfriend. And now she's his wife, and they have a kid together. It's like a whole crazy thing. Whoa. It's another day. Another day, another dollar. Um, I had friends, you know, you know, borrowing and never give back, and yada, yada. And I realized, I was like, I have a lot of bad friendships right now for the first time in my life. And it's because I don't want to be alone, you know. Mm-hmm. I, and mind you, I was a kid. I'm at home alone all the time. And so it took me back there. And then I was like, man, I have a lot of codependent relationships and friendships and all this stuff, like what's what's going on? I mean, where's this coming from? And then I started having, again, attachment issues where like I was I was being attached to the wrong people, but also being very detached at the same time to certain people that were positive and good and people I should have been investing time into and that were actually reciprocating. When somebody gave back to me, I was like, oh, this feels weird. I don't want you to think I'm poor. I'm fine. And it's an impoverished mindset more than anything because I found a way once I had to get myself back in a position of lack because that's where I felt comfortable. Mm. I felt comfortable not having shit. Mm. So I would make sure I give it all away. I developed a gambling problem at 26, like out of nowhere, after like a huge argument with me and my dad and we didn't talk for a couple of years and all this stuff and right when my brother died and all this stuff. So I started, you know, a lot of very self-destructive behavior. Uh, women, it's a big one. I think guys don't talk about too. It's like, this player shit is dead, dog. Mm. It's not cool it doesn't make you cooler but me i need a whole gang of around to feel good or feel like honestly what it was i got molested when i was six years old and i was like by in my man. mind by, by a man mm-hmm. and i need a, a 16 year old boy is what it was and i need to prove to myself in my youth that i'm not gay mm-hmm. i got every in, in town all of them want me blah blah, blah. And it was a thing that I had to like kind of wean myself off of. I couldn't look at myself in the mirror. I'm like, damn, man, I'm doing too much. That's nasty. That was nasty. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm saying this to myself in the mirror. Like, yo, I haven't looked at myself in the mirror in three years because I'm ashamed of myself. You know what I mean? So my experiences definitely contributed to who I was as a person. You know what I'm saying? I never thought I would be a baby daddy. The fuck is that? My kid lives outside of my house half the week. It kills me. Mm. So I have to fill that void with busyness and doing stuff. Mm. I always expected to have a white picket fence, my woman, a dog, and two kids. You know what I'm saying? That was mm. always the goal. So now I'm part of a statistic. I'm a black dude with a baby mama, quote, unquote. And she is not that. And I always call her my son's mother. And we do a great job of co-parenting our, our beautiful son together and everything like that. But we both came from broken households. That shit influences you, man. Absolutely. It really, really messes you up. It can. So now I'm, I'm trying to go out of my way to overcorrect and make sure that he has everything and that he feels supported. And, he, you know, I told his mother at the time, like, I want you to be in a happy, fruitful relationship and be in love. And I want my son to see his mother in love and treated well and stuff yeah. like that. So when his mother got married, I, I went out of my way to meet her her, her guy and, and be like, look, I, I want us to all be on the same page. And, you know, I had to put my ego aside, too, and let another man teach my son. It killed me. But all because of a cyclical thing that had happened in my life too. You said that you said that you were molested. Yep. And is that something that you've spoken about openly a lot or before? One time. One I spoke time. About it one time on a now this interview. And, about and how did ago. how did you get to a point where you're like, yo, I want to tell, I just want to share the fact that this is, <laughs> I'm like I've gone through this. You know what I mean? Because, like, so many men would probably 
die with that. For sure. You feel me? So, like, how did you get the confidence um, and what purpose did, you, did it serve you to say, yo, you know what, I'm just going to confront this and, and, and be open with it? Um, I was – I just turned 27. It was June. I was 27 years old, so my son was about two weeks old at that point. Um, and I just moved into a new apartment. Can't remember what the conversation was exactly, but I was talking to my mom on the couch, and it kind of just slipped out. I had never spoken about it. It, it was a memory that was so deeply buried mm-hmm. inside of me that I kind of forgot that it happened. You know, I think sometimes, I, not that I think this is scientifically proven, you go through a traumatic experience that's so bad sometimes that you actually pretend it never happened. Yep. Mm-hmm. And I see it happening with my mom a lot now, too. My mom's been through the worst shit I've ever heard of anybody in my entire life and still remains positive and still tries to bring people to Jesus. And you know what I mean? Um, the, the, the best person ever. Um, I had buried these memories, but it slipped out one day. I was having a conversation on the couch with her, and uh, it had come out a few days before that because I was talking to my girlfriend at the time. We were having some intimacy issues. I didn't feel attractive. That's the truth. I didn't feel attractive, but all these memories had started coming back from, from that experience. And it wasn't, it wasn't like a, a one-time thing. It was honestly... I hate to speak on his truth because my brother's not here anymore. Me and my brother were both being molested by this, this person. Um, and I told, I basically told my girlfriend, it's hard. It, sex is really hard for me sometimes too, um, because those kind of memories kind of come back mm-hmm. and stuff. And so, like, I'm a cuddler. Like, I want to feel you. I want to. You want to be around you, yeah. but I'll go months sometimes in a relationship not having sex and completely forgetting that I should probably do that with this person that I want to feel attractive as well. You know what I'm saying? And so I told my mom about it um, on the couch that day, and she was stoic. When something happens to your kitchen, you might say, This is ludicrous. But that won't fix your home. That will only get you the rapper, Ludacris. Having trouble? Don't panic. Don't be alarmed. You need to file a claim? Holler at State Farm. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. That's right. You can file a claim on the app or call us. Thanks, Mr. Chris. No matter how ludicrous the situation, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm, Bloomington, Illinois. And silent. And after a while, she was really confused and thought I was lying, and then she started crying. Mm. And I was like, what is going on with you? And she was like, I can't believe you didn't put me in a position to To, be able to to protect you. Mm. And I said, mom, you couldn't have protected me. You know, I didn't want to tell you, I didn't want to tell you, you were were working all day and stuff like Mm. that. I didn't want her to feel blamed for it. But I also know my mother would have lived, at that time too, my mother had a gun, she would have killed that boy. Okay. Mm -hmm. I didn't want him to die. He had mental issues. Okay. He was actually like, Rode the short bus kind of thing, mm-hmm. literally. Um, and some, he did it to someone else's kid on our block. And years later, and that person came with this big metal latch that goes into the um, the gate, and they split his whole leg open. They broke his leg with this thing. They beat this kid down, who was also in, you know from an immigrant family and stuff like that. And you know what's crazy is like at this point in my age, 35, I feel so sorry for that kid because the world is not kind to people with mental problems. Mm-hmm. The world wasn't kind to my brother with mental problems. I have friends that have them and stuff like that that have ended up homeless and stuff like that. And in many other countries, they, they would treat mental issues like a broken leg. Like you're broken, let us fix you. Let's take you to the doctor and fix you here. 
it's such a faux pas. Like nobody talks about it like enough real, because right? it makes you. What's that? It's like not real. It's not. Yeah. Well, it's it's it's. Don't ask, don't tell. You know what I mean? Let's not even talk about it. Oh, that was. Oh, she just crazy. Or like she he he just mean. Or he he's he. That's just a bad kid. It's not that. There's something actually chemically going on with these people to make them act this way. So do you forgive you know I mean? him? Absolutely. That's crazy. I was gonna say that you mm-hmm. speak with like forgiveness in your voice, mm-hmm. bro. Like. How you speaking about the situation? Mm. How you're saying like I didn't want nobody to hurt this dude. I, you know what I mean? He, he, no, I understood. I understood then at six years old that something was really wrong with wow. him, and I was the one. I was like, "Stop! Like, what is this? You know what I mean? It wasn't like. First of all, let me be honest and clear with y'all. Nobody was penetrating me or anything like that. It was nothing. It wasn't that. You know, what what made me want to talk about this? What made me want to say this? I know that there was other young men that were experiencing the exact same thing and are struggling with confidence and stuff like that. And at a point I had an anger problem because of it. It, it manifested itself in so many different ways. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I get on a fight every time I'm on a basketball court, somebody say something to me wrong. Call me a faggot again. Yep. I'll beat your ass right now in front of everybody. Bad, you know what I mean? It manifested as, as anger problems. It manifested as depression. It manifested yep. as intimacy issues. Which I still like to this day. I'm like, damn, I can't believe this thing still bothers me, messes with me from from 30 years ago. You know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? So I I wanted it as an opportunity to like kind of help other people. Like, look, you're not on your own with this thing, and it's perfectly normal to express yourself and find ways to to get help and and find ways to to find forgiveness of yourself for not standing up for yourself in that moment and being mm-hmm. powerless in that situation, mm-hmm. putting yourself in a powerless situation, forgiving your parents, forgiving, forgiving people for shit that they never asked you for forgiveness for is one of the hardest things you can ever do in your life. Mm-hmm. They're never gonna, they're never gonna say sorry to you and you have to say, I forgive you anyway. Mm-hmm. It's really hard to do, mm-hmm. you know? Damn, that's deep. Now I wanna uh, switch gears. I wanna talk about your acting career, right? Mm-hmm. Who is, cause I know you work with The Rock, Mm-hmm. Worked with Kevin Hart. Um, who was the person that you you were on set with, uh, or you were working with? And you were like, "Yo, I can't believe I'm in front of this guy, and like, this is it. This is happening." Who's that person? And then also, who was the person that you want that to happen for in the future? Um. <laughs> um. Well, if you guys have ever seen any of the Jumanji movies, then you know that I'm not actually in any scenes with these people. Mm-hmm. They're on set with us and stuff like right. that, but we're not in any scenes together right. because we are them, right? Yeah. You are, sure. you're, you're younger Kevin Hart. Right. Yeah. Right. Um, Hilarious. 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 So funny. When I first read the script, I was like, are you sure I'm supposed to be playing Kevin or am I supposed to be The Rock? And they're like, no, you're Kevin. And I was like, you're a, you're a younger explain. Kevin who's taller than the older Kevin. Right. Yeah. It's hilarious. Kevin is pissed Kevin's off five, when he finds his body. Kevin's 5'3", I'm 6'5". It's, it's kind of <laughs> hilarious. Um, who is that person that I've been in a scene with and been like, damn, wow. Um, I don't know that it was a person. It's never been a person because I'm I'm not kind of intimidated or enamored by anybody like that. It was like, you know, I've I've been lucky to work with a lot of really dope people and see that they're human beings. It was a director. Mm-hmm. It wasn't an actor. Um, I was in Star Trek Into Darkness in 2012 and I got to work with J.J. Abrams and he walked in and I was like, that's him. <laughs> so like, that guy. And he came up and talked to me. He was like, hey, hey, what's up, man? How you doing? I was, he was like, I'm JJ. I was like, yeah. And he, that's he that's that's that asked my opinion about stuff. And he threw, he was like, hey, just improv a line here. Blah, blah, blah. I froze. 
I could never be Black Panther because I never freeze. Listen, <laughs> I froze. Um, but it hasn't been a been a person. Who that would be for me would be Will Smith, who is half the reason I'm an actor, and Denzel Washington, who's the Come other on. half. Okay. Come on. Um, but even then, man, I'm coming for their neck in that scene. I'm gonna mm, try to I'm gonna course. try to try to take it. You know what I'm saying? It's mm-hmm. like when Kobe played Jordan for the first time. Like yeah, he yeah, wanna, yeah. you know, he wanna show and, every movie got. Respect. You know? And you know you gotta give it everything because the scene ain't even about you. Nah, for sure. No, well, I'm a giving actor, so I'm always gonna try to find a way to highlight the the other person, but I'm not I'm not I'm not getting stuck. Nah. Not by any nah, means. I gotta I do my it. thing. I love it. Yeah, that's why. I'm trying to get 40, baby. Is acting go. a competitive sport? Hell yeah. It's a contact sport if you make it one. <laughs> <laughs> I'm physical as shit over here. I love acting so much. I didn't know I could love something so much. And I think that having my son has made me love it even more because you really, and, and, and losing my brothers made me love it even more too because you realize how fleeting time is now too. Um, it just adds a level of gravitas, weight, just this heaviness to it. Um, and like learning every bit of the craft. I've been teaching actors for, for the last 12 years as well. Um, and helping them find their way in their careers and stuff like that. Really breaking down the, the business side of acting. I don't teach people how to act. I teach them how to, how to be business people in acting. Mm-hmm. Be a professional actor. Everybody's good out here. Every single person that comes to LA, you move from across the country, you are good at whatever that thing is that you came out here to do. You're in fashion. Yeah. You wouldn't come out here unless you thought you were one of the dopest people in fashion. Right. If you're in entertainment, you are out here because you're one of the funniest people ever. Right. You are one of the best actors. You are one of the best models. You are one of the best DPs. You are one of the best at what you do. Everybody's good. But the difference between being good and being an actual professional is that professionals do it all the time. Mm. You do it every day. Mm. I act every day. I do something acting related when every single reading. day. Yep. And so teaching people how to be a professional, that's, that's that deciding factor between the guy who's like, yeah, I put up 40 on LeBron. Yeah, but you're not a professional athlete. You're a really good athlete. You're not a professional at it mm, because you don't know the business side of it. Mm. And so I teach people the business side and how to, how to, how to break that down and, and how to really learn themselves. This is a, it's an exercise in empathy on a daily basis, mm-hmm. being an actor. Like I have to watch people. I have to be sensitive to people even if I feel like, oh, this guy is a multimillionaire and he's sad about something. What the hell do you have to be sad about? People do that stuff all the time to us, right? Mm-hmm. It's like, no, I'm a real breathing human still. At the same time, I want things and I am disappointed in myself still. You're a real human being. So it's a, it's a study in empathy. Let me figure out myself, but also figure out the business side of it too. Or else you're going to be the dopest actor sitting on the couch. Mm-hmm. Wow. No pun intended. It's a dope couch. That's but, crazy. You know. The dopest actor sitting on the couch. <laughs> The couch. Fellas, mm-hmm. what y'all got for us, man? Are we do we have um any interesting questions that we need to uh get off before we wrap up? Cause you know, time is of the essence. Time is of the essence, baby. Time is of the I'm essence, good. man. I, mean, I really I really enjoyed hey, you, this time. Yeah, you know I, what? I really this was a really great episode, bro. Thank like you, I, thank I, you, and and I wanna thank you for sharing your story, bro. Cause like thank you. You know, I'm pretty sure a lot of people were, you're gonna help a lot of people, you know what I mean? Give people a lot of courage to come out and talk about you know, things that have happened in their past, bro. So I just want to thank you for coming here. And, I, you know, we appreciate you. Thank you for having me and providing a safe space, nah, man. Absolutely. Right. Cause, Cause honestly, bro, um, this is the first time, you know, I've spoken to you. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, a lot of times when we speak to people, we kind of know a little bit about them, right? But you gave us a lot. Mm-hmm. And I didn't even know what to expect, bro. 
Yeah. But you gave us so much. You gave us so, like, you, you speak so eloquently, right? Mm-hmm. Thank you. I feel like your spirit is just peaceful. And mm-hmm. when we spe- when we were speaking before the uh, the show, we were just talking. And just, like, that th- that five minutes we spoke, I was like, oh, this dude is um, just really bright and articulate. And just to see how you you spoke about, you know, your, your, your situation and just say, yo, I really, f- I forgive this guy, right? I have, I have I'm, you know, I'm, I feel sorry for this guy, right? That's a higher level of emotional thinking that a lot of us could only imagine to get to you know what i mean Mm -hmm. so just that giving us that man i really appreciate you and i really just want to commend you for like doing the deep work throughout Mm -hmm. your life you know what i mean Mm -hmm. and getting to if you went on a road trip and you didn't stop for a big mac or drop a crispy fry between the car seats or use your mcdonald's bag as a placemat then that wasn't a road trip it was just a really long drive at participating McDonald's. Where you got to get where you are right now and, and sharing your story with us. So, so thank you for that. Thank you so much, bro. It means, it means a lot of to course, me. Of course, bro. Of course. Um, before we get out of here, I do want to ask you uh, just two last questions. All right. So what is some advice that you now would give your younger self? And then what's some advice that you would give your older self? I love this question. Um, I make decisions in my life based on this strange little thing that I do. I always say, what would 12-year-old me say right Mm, now? mm. Would 12-year-old me like me right now? I think 12-year-old me was probably the most mature, forward-thinking, business-minded, organized person I've ever been. That's the most organized version of me. At 12 years old, Mm. I would trust me to lead us Mm. right now at 12 years old more than I do at 35. And so I try to make decisions that would make me proud mm-hmm. at 12, where I had all these plans to be this perfect man. You know what I mean? Um, so what advice I would give 12-year-old me is to just have more fun, because I think I was a little bit too restricted and mm-hmm. too serious and too pointed and too focused. I didn't let myself be a kid, yeah. because again, remember, at nine years old, I was like, okay, I gotta be, be the man of the house. Yep. you know. Stop doing that shit to, to kids too, man. It's yeah. not okay. Let them be kids. Um, so I would tell me to enjoy my, my life more. Mm-hmm. Older me. Um, <laughs> I guess it would be like more of a what to expect, right? Sure. If you're talking to your older or yourself. My older self, what I would, would tell myself to, to, to expect is still just more greatness. I want to, I want my best days and years to always be ahead of me until the day that I die. Mm-hmm. I always say the day that I stop learning and growing is the day that I want to die. When I get to a point where I feel like I've learned everything I possibly could, it's literally impossible. Then I think that I'm too far gone at that mm-hmm. point. So I want to always be trying to push the envelope for myself and raising the bar a bit, but also that balance of being like, you know what? I don't regret anything. I tried everything that ever came into my mind Mm -hmm. you know what i mean when i could say that i'll feel like i've quote unquote made it when i've made a few more millionaires when my kids have had every experience that life has to offer when my wife has felt fully loved and fully cared for and has had her fairy tale and i have too when i've had an opportunity to to feel weak and not be afraid to ask my brothers for help Mm -hmm. you know what i'm saying like that's such a big thing is like the day that I learned how to ask for help, I think I was like 29 years old, maybe. It's not been a long time. 
that that really changed my my life where I was like, man, I'm going to be weak in front of you and say, I don't got it right now. I'm hurt. Mm-hmm. I need help. Whether it be financially or time or advice or like, I just need you to help me think this thing through. I don't know. I don't know something. Mm-hmm. Not knowing something, that admission, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? So when I've exhausted all of those uh, realms, all those different possibilities and stuff like that as an older man, and I can say, you know what? I lived my life fully. Then I could like really take my last breath and just Amen. chill on a lake somewhere, you Amen. know, at one of my cribs and still smack a big old booty. Okay. <laughs> Amen. Well, listen, bro, thank you for tapping in with us, man, giving yeah, us yeah. your time. I know your time is valuable. So mm-hmm. just coming to rock with us and just having the conversation, man. So we are super grateful. Sure. Uh, guys, please, if you're listening or watching, where can they follow you? Uh, you can follow me on Instagram at Sir Darius Blaine, S-E-R-D-A-R-I-U-S-B-L-A-I-N. Um, also, my travel company, um, my travel club at Top Shelf Getaways on Instagram as well. Um, and uh, my production company, One Blood Productions Inc.com. Okay, y'all heard it. Make sure y'all tap in. Boy, doing uh, a lot. Doing too a lot. Much. Boy, doing a it's lot. Hey, so much we couldn't even get to it. Couldn't even get to it. But make sure you guys follow us as well on all social platforms. Nice Need the Podcast on TikTok. Nice Need the Podcast on Instagram. Nice Need the Podcast on YouTube and Spotify and Apple Podcasts. And also Facebook. My always not going to let me forget because I usually forget. But, um, must Congrats love. on the Revolt TV. Let's go. We in this thing. Shout out to Revolt. Shout out to Revolt. Follow yeah. myself on Instagram at Duke. Follow o at Omar.Bolden. And Jalon at Just Jalon. And um, until next time, guys, much love, much gratitude. I'm Duke. I'm Omar. I'm Jalon. I'm Sidarius Blaine. And this is another episode of Nice and Neat. And that's that. I'll be the one to take the risk to go and get them bands. I'll be the one to never sit and go and make a plan. Knowing my mother getting old now, I got no time. Gotta keep a couple for the road, the rest get left behind. Yeah. To the hunters, pledge allegiance, I stand. I'm going pro When something happens to your kitchen, you might say, This is ludicrous. But that won't fix your home. That will only get you the rapper, Ludacris. Having trouble? Don't panic. Don't be alarmed. You need to file a claim? Holla at State Farm. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. That's right. You can file a claim on the app or call us. Thanks, Mr. Chris. No matter how ludicrous the situation, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm, Bloomington, Illinois.